0: with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful Word of the Lord. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter number 3 this morning. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. The Bible says, but know this, that in the last days perilous or difficult or dangerous times will come. Turn away. The title of my message this morning is, In Times Like These. Father, I just pray today, Lord, as we endeavor to deliver the word of God. God, I pray that your anointing, Father, will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. God, I pray that you will give us ears upon our heart today. God, help us to receive and embrace your word. And, Father, may we, Lord, may we put into everyday uh, practical use the word of God. That we receive today. Holy Spirit do your work in this place. I ask in the name of Jesus. All of God's people said praise the Lord. Praise you may be reseated This morning. I don't have to tell you this morning. That we are living in distressing and troubling times. We now have same sex marriages. Who would have ever thought. Terrorism is becoming common. Violence is everywhere. Divorce is almost expected. There are bankruptcies and scams and diseases and moral failure, lack of trust and leadership, and the list just continues to go on and on and on and on. How does a person cope today? How do we keep our, our heads up today? Is there any hope? What do we do in times like these? This morning for a little while, I want to I give you three things to remember in times like these. In times like these, remember this. First of all, there have always been Times like these. That's not what you were expecting. I'm sorry, but you do not have a doom and gloom, Pastor. What's oh, it's quiet in this first church of the frigid air all of a sudden. I said, You do not have a doom and gloom doomsday, Pastor. We need to understand and we need to remind ourselves today that in times like these, there have always been times like these. Well, yes, it's true. Not because I said it, but because the Word of God says it. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse number 9, the wisdom writer writes and he says, What has been will be again. And he said, what has been done will be done again. And he went on to say, there is nothing new under the sun. So in times like these, we need to remember there have always been times like these. For example, wicked times. People say the world is getting so wicked that 's nothing new hey, you just don't know, you don 't know what to think right now, do you I said people say the, the world is just getting so so wicked, but I say that 's nothing new. The world was wicked in noah 's day as well in fact the 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 Bible says that the world was so wicked that Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was so great in the earth and that every single intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And verse 6 says God was sorry that he had created man and God was grieved in his heart. And verse 7 says, the Lord said, I'm going to destroy man from the face of this earth. Noah's day was a very wicked day. The world was wicked in Lot's day too. And Lot was living in the city of Sodom. Now, the twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were so evil, so wicked, so perverted, that God literally torched these cities with fire and brimstone. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 32 says that with the population of both of these cities combined, they could not find even ten righteous or godly people. In both the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, there was not in combination with those two cities and their population, you couldn't find ten righteous or godly people among them. Now that's a wicked set of cities. Not even Ten. Righteous or godly people. Pastor, if God doesn't destroy America, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Say what? Makes my blood boil when I hear pastors and preachers say that. That's absolutely ridiculous. Is America wicked? Absolutely. Is evil on steroids in our country today? No doubt. But there's also a church on just about every corner in America today. And many, if not most of them, are still preaching Jesus as Lord. And they're still sending missionaries around the world. Amen. And they're still feeding the hungry and they're still clothing the poor. In times like these, we need to remember there have always been times like these. Yes, America is a very wicked, wicked place, but I want to guarantee you that there's more than ten righteous, godly people in our country today. How about the Corinthian church in Paul's day? Was there any wickedness in the church? <laughs> Just read First and Second Corinthians and I promise you, you'll appreciate the grace place. There was adultery, there was incest among the members of the church. Church members were suing each other in court. Some of them were getting drunk at communion. You're going to have a hard time getting drunk at our communion today, I'll tell you. (laughs) We serve communion light. Paul described the members of his church as a bunch of babies that needed to be fed with a bottle. You read, you'll find that they were misusing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You'll find there was false accusations aimed at church leadership. And the list goes on and on and on and on. I don't know. I'm just glad I wasn't pastor of the Grace Place Corinth. In times like these, we need to uh, remind ourselves, there have always been times like these. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 37, Jesus said, but as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying in times like these, remember, there have always been times like these. Now hear me clearly this morning. Am I saying that these days are not evil? Am I saying that this is not a big deal? Of course not. I'm saying what God's Word says, and God's Word says there's absolutely nothing new under the sun. Not only have there always been wicked times, but also worrisome times. Worrisome times. I mean, the very first family to ever live on planet Earth experienced anxiety and stress. Just think about it. After, after their sin and their expulsion from the garden of paradise, opportunities for worry and anxiety and anxiety continually knocked on their door. Think about it. How, the, the stress that must have been on, on Adam. Oh, how, how is he going to make a living for his family? I mean, he's been used to being on Easy Street. Yeah, I believe he had responsibilities. Yes, I believe he had work to do in the garden. But now he's outside of the luscious, perfect garden. And how is he going to make a living for his family? How would Adam and Eve deal with the death of their son? And how would they deal with the fact that their dead son was killed by the hands of their other son? And what would they do with these brand new emotions that began to rise up in their hearts like like anger and bitterness and unforgiveness? And how about people like Job and and Joseph and David? Do you think they, they had anything to be anxious about? How about the Apostle Paul? In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul lists all of the hardships and difficulties he had experienced as an Apostle. And in verse number 28, he says, and besides all of this, he said, there's the daily burden of my care for all of the churches. Now, please don't misunderstand me this morning. I'm not saying that everything is rosy sweet today. I'm not being unsympathetic to your problems today. I'm saying that even though we have our share of problems, even though we live in a very stressful time, in times like these, we need to remind ourselves there has always been times like these, and if people like Job and Joseph and David and Paul can walk through these times victoriously, then so can we. I said, if others have done it in the past, then so can we, We can because the Bible says greater is he that is within us than he that is within the world. The Bible says we are more than conquerors. The Bible says that God always leads us into triumph through Christ Jesus. So in times like these, instead of jumping on the bandwagon with all the doom and gloomers, we need to remind ourselves that there have always been times like these. And there will always be, until the coming of the Lord, there will always be times like these. And we need to remind ourselves that the God of the past is still God in the present. And remind ourselves that what God has done before, He will and can and will do again. Three things we need to remind ourselves and we need to remember in times like these. Number two this morning, in times like these, we need to remember God has always had a remnant. God has always had and God always will have a people. A people who love Him, a people who serve Him, a people who respect Him, a people who obey Him. And that, and no matter how wicked or how worrisome the times have been or will become, God has always and always will have remnant Let let me give you three examples of the past How about Noah and his family Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 says The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was so great That every intent of the thought of his heart Was only evil continually Verse 8 says but Noah Say but Noah But Noah found grace In the eyes of the Lord And verse number 9 Noah was a righteous man Blameless among the people of his time And he walked With God Noah was a light in a dark place. Now hear me this morning. Some of you are not going to like this sermon. That's all right. I'll preach another one next Sunday. But I'm telling you the truth. Let me tell you something. Some of you are not going to like this, but I'm going to tell you, God hasn't called us to curse the darkness. He's called us to shine a light. And let me tell you something this morning. Listen, I'm telling you for your own good. I'm telling you because I love you. You're not going to win your world to Jesus by constantly cursing the darkness. And we're not going to win people to Jesus by standing on the street corner holding the sign, Heaven or hell, turn or burn! And you're not going to win your family. You're not going to win your, fi- your friends by constantly telling them how bad a sinner they are. You're going to win them by your bright and shining light. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 16, He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and they may glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus didn't say curse the darkness. Jesus said, shine a light. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, it says that unsaved husbands will not be won to the Lord by the constant preaching and nagging, nag, nag, nag of their wives, but by the consistent example they portray as loving and godly spouses. So get off your husband's back and just start shining the light. Amen? Amen. Just let the love of Jesus flow in and through your life. Amen. And let me tell you something else. Because I know it's not very popular today. That's all right. I've never worried about being popular. My wife will attest to that. As a preacher, God hasn't called me to protest the lies. As a preacher, God has not called me to protest the lies, but to preach the truth. I know some of you want me to get up here and lambast same-sex marriage and homosexuality. And you'll jump and buck and cheer and shout. But you'll also send me hate mail when I get on your sins. Am I for same-sex marriage? Don't be ridiculous. Do I believe homosexuality is sin? Absolutely. But it's not the only sin. And somehow I think if we think, if we just spotlight, you know, one sin of somebody else's, then, you know, nobody will look at our own so i 'm sorry you don't have a doom and gloom preacher and you don't get a you don 't have a pastor that 's going to send up and you know every issue that comes along you know and and you know and try and persuade your uh, political views. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Political views, yeah, we ought to have them. Yeah, we ought to vote. Yeah, we ought to pray. Yeah, 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 we ought to do all of that stuff. But I'm gonna tell you the answer is not a Republican or a Democrat in office, amen. The answer, amen, is not the right policy and the right law. This I'm gonna tell you, Jesus is the answer, and there's no other answer because Jesus Christ. And I'm not gonna waste my time up here, amen, taking sides and being political and doing all I'm just gonna preach the truth because the Bible says that you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so instead of spotlighting a different evil every Sunday, instead of spotlighting a different sin every Sunday, I'm just going to tell you that Jesus is the answer today. Amen, I I'm just going to tell you that he's the way and he's the truth and he's the life. And I'm going to tell you today what we need today. Amen, I it's not more politicians, but we need more people of God letting the light of Jesus Christ shine in their life, shining a spotlight of the truth. It's the truth that we need today. That's what we need today. Just so you know. God hasn't called me to protest the lies. He's called me to preach the truth. God has always had a remnant. How about Lot and his family? In Genesis 19, the wickedness of Sodom is described. But in the midst of that city was Lot and his family. And Peter, who thought a whole lot more of Lot than I do. But Peter calls Lot a righteous man. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 7, read it for yourself. So living in perhaps the most wicked city of all time was a righteous or God-fearing man. Listen, God has always had and God always will have a remnant. I don't know this morning, perhaps your, your, your work environment is less than godly. Perhaps you work among some of the most ungodly people you have ever met. Maybe you have prayed, God, get me out of this perverted place. But let me ask this morning, perhaps, perhaps, I don't know, but just maybe God has put you there. Maybe you are there by divine appointment. God has put you there to be a light to shine in a dark place. And how about the three Hebrew children? In Daniel chapter 3, the entire nation bows down to an idol. Everyone besides Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Even with the penalty for not bowing down, being deaf in a burning fiery furnace, yet they refuse to lower their standards and compromise their convictions. God has always had and always will have a remnant. He'll always have a people. The question today is, will we be a part of that remnant? Or will we bow to the perversion that is being shoved down our throats today? Will we bow to the new morality that's being propagated today that is actually just the same old immorality that's been around since the fall of Adam? Let me ask you this this morning. Will you bow to your boss when he or she asks you to write a false report or lie to cover something up? Let me ask you this this morning. Will you bow to your boyfriend or your girlfriend's immoral request? Let me ask you this this morning. Will you bow to the new culture by going along in order to get along? Or will you be a part of God's remnant? Will you be a part of God's people who refuse to bow? Again, I'm not talking about protesting unrighteousness. I'm talking about preaching righteousness. I'm not talking about cursing the darkness. I'm talking about shining a light. I'm giving you three things this morning. To remember in times like these. In times like these, we need to remember that there have always been times like these. And we need to remember that God has always had and always will have a remnant. And finally, this morning, in times like this, in times like these, we need to remember God has always had a plan. God has always had a plan. Nothing sneaks up on God or catches him by surprise. I promise you, God is not walking in his throne room, wringing his hands. Oh, oh, the world has just gotten so out of control. Oh, I never thought it would get to this. Oh, what do I do? I, I just don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. Oh, things are so bad. I don't know what to do with my people. Things that are happening today are all a part of God's plan. I know it's hard to grasp and hard to get your hands around some of it, but I'm telling you. The things that are happening today are all a part of God's plan. The world today is clicking right along in line with God's time Before the world was ever even created, the events that are happening this very day were already recorded in God's plan book for planet Earth. Well, at least you're listening today. The wheels are turning. That's all right. Isaiah 46 and 10, God says, Only I. Only who? God says, Only I can tell you the future. He said, because before it ever happens, before what? Before it ever happens, everything I plan, I what? Everything I plan will come to pass, will come to what? For I do whatever I wish. That's pretty brazen, isn't it? But it's all right. There's only one God. There's no, he has no equal. So he can say whatever he wants, do whatever he wants to do. And you cannot like it, and you can rebel against God. Good luck with that. In times like these, we need to remind ourselves that God has always had a plan. And what is happening and taking place today is a part of God's plan. Oh, I just wish Jesus would come, and then you bellyache when things get bad. Well, things are going to get bad before Jesus comes, so you can't have it both ways. In times like these, we need to remind ourselves that God has always had a plan, and let me briefly this morning, don't you love the word briefly? Don't you wish it meant something? Let me briefly mention two things that God has included in his plan. Hey, we're getting to the good part now. Turn to your neighbor and say, finally. I'm trying, sister. I concur. Two things that God has included in his plan. Number one, to protect his people. Before God destroyed the earth in the great flood, he first arranged protection for his people. He had Noah build an ark. And only after Noah and his family were safely in the ark, only then did God pour out his wrath on an evil world. Before God rained down fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah, before he poured out his wrath on those wicked and, and perverted cities, he first made sure that his people were protected. He brought Lot and his family out of the city before he brought judgment. And although God allowed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to go into the fire, he was in there already waiting on them when they got there. And he protected them in the fire so that the fire could not hurt them. And he empowered them to walk out of the fire unscathed and unharmed. In times like these, we need to remind ourselves that God has a plan to protect us. Remember Stephen in the book of Acts? Now, God allowed him to be stoned because of his faith. Oh, all the beheadings. And all, oh, it's never been a time. Oh, Really? Read Fox's Book of Martyrs. If I had time, I'd give you the list. I have it, but I'm not going to take the time. But just study and find out how every all but one of the uh, original 12 disciples, how they died. Well, there's never been a date. Oh, really? Remember Stephen in the Book of Acts? God allowed him to be stoned because of his faith. But what did Stephen say as the stones were pelting his body? Oh, I love this. Acts chapter 7 and verse number 56. Stephen says, Look. I don't think anybody saw anything but him. But he said, Look, I see the heavens open. Oh, oh, he's being pelted by the rocks. But he says, Look, I see the heavens open. And he says, in the Son of Man, standing, standing at the right hand of God. Now, it's quite interesting to me. The Bible talks about Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. But here it says that Jesus is not sitting, but here Jesus is standing. I don't know why Jesus is standing, but I let my mind begin to think, and maybe perhaps perhaps Jesus is standing, and he's cheering Stephen on. And he said, come on, Stephen, you can do this, man. You've got it. I'm with you, and I can help you. Stay strong, man. Have courage, man. Hang in there, man. Hey, man, Come on, stay with it, Stephen. I don't know what Jesus was doing, but the Bible said he was not sitting, but he stood. He stood, and perhaps he was standing with arms wide open, welcoming Stephen into his presence, saying, come on, Stephen, come on, just another moment, just another rock or two, and you'll be in my arms, and you will be in my presence. I don't know about you, but I somehow believe that was Stephen caught up in all of this glory. Who knows if he even felt the rocks that were pelting his body. Oh, yes, my friends, there's a lot going on in this world today. What do we do in times like these? I believe in times like these, we remind ourselves that God has always had a plan. And a part of His plan is to protect His people. Not only is God's plan to protect His people, but also to provide for His people. When seven years of famine was coming, God raised up Joseph to create a storehouse of provision and a plan for distribution when a drought was in progress god sent elijah to the brook kirith sent him to the widow of zareth as well for his provision David said in Psalm 37, 25, he said, I've been young and now I'm an old codger. He said, but in all this time, he said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken and I've never seen his seed begging for bread. What do we do in times like these? I believe we need to remind ourselves, amen, that God has always provided for his people. Amen, whether the showers were falling or it was a drought. Amen, whether it was feast or famine, God always provided for his people. And I'm telling you today, I don't know what's ahead for America. I don't know what's going to happen in the weeks and months and years ahead. All I know is, that my God is faithful. All I know is that the God of the past is the God of the present. All I know is that I my faith and my trust and my confidence, amen, is not in man. It's not in some politician. Amen, it's not in our economy. It's not in my 403 or 40 whatever 401k, amen, or 607z or anything else. My faith, my trust, my hope, my confidence is in my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen, the one that has taken care of the patriarchs of all. The ones that took care of the disciples. Amen, the one that took care of my mom and my daddy when they had nothing amen that's my God today I said that's my God today and he's going to provide for me and I don't know how bad it's going to get and I don't know I'm not a prophet but I'm telling you that my God is faithful he's going to provide he's going to take care of his people give him a shout of praise in his house today You can join the doom and gloom crowd if you want. You can get on Facebook and talk about God needs to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah Baloney. If you want to, I'm not joining in. I'm not your doom and gloomer, amen. I'm telling you, I'm a man of faith and a a man that believes that God is going to take care of his people. Pastor, what's going to happen to us? With all that is going on in our crazy world, and it is a crazy world, it's nuts. What's going to happen to us with all this going on in our crazy world? Two things. I promise you two things. Number one, God's going to protect us. And number two, God's going to provide for us. Now, listen to me. I'm not saying it will always be business as usual. I'm not saying we will always enjoy the American dream. What I'm saying is, God has always had a plan. And in his plan, he included protecting and providing for his people. Clay and Krista, if you could get in place real quickly this morning, please. I'm not finished, but this will help me. Let me quickly finish today by giving you three takeaways from my message today. Number one, God is still in charge. Genesis 1 and 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Psalm 24 and 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Psalm 75, verse 6 and 7, God rules. He sits this one down and raises another up. Pastor, who's going to be the next president of the United States? Whoever God puts there. What? Well, why should I even vote? Because God uses this process. Yeah, we should pray. Yeah, we should do everything we can do to get godly people in office. But I'm telling you who's going to get there. Whoever God's already planned, he puts one up and puts another one down. I'm sorry. I just have one book that I get my sermon from. I'm sorry. Second takeaway today is stay close to the one in charge. Now, listen, I've told you this before, and I'll tell you again. Not very many pastors will, but I'll tell you the truth. I don't always understand God. There's a lot in this book that I just, what? You did what? He, what? Eh? If you don't, then it just tells me you don't read your Bible. You read your Bible, you'll have some questions. I don't always understand God and and His ways, and I don't always agree with Him. You did this one to this one and that one. You paid him the same as him and he worked 12 hours and he worked one. Huh? Huh? Eh? <laughs> oh, well, I got some answers for that and I'm probably going to talk to you about that next Sunday. didn't say I had the answer. I had some answers. Possible, I should say possible answers. I don't always understand God. I don't always agree with God. But I love him. I love Him, I respect Him, I fear Him, I could get bogged down on that one, so I won't, I'll just keep going. And I walk as close to Him as I possibly, possibly can. Psalm 145, verse 18 through 20 says, the Lord is close to all who call on Him. He grants the desires of those who fear Him. (laughs) Like a grandson. The Lord is close to all who call on Him. He grants the desires of those who fear Him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects all those who love Him. Three takeaways from this message today. Number one, God is still in charge. Number two, get, stay close to the one in charge. Number three, choose to trust instead of worry. Instead of trust instead of worry. Psalm 62 and 8 says, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, Be anxious or don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. There's an old, old, old song And I know I'll date myself when I do it But that's okay I've come to grips with the fact That I'm getting older Not old, older But the old song said it like this In times like these You need a savior In times like these You need an anchor Remember that one? Be very sure Be very sure Your anchor holds, sorry Chris, I think I missed that one, your anchor holds, and grips a solid rock, this rock is Jesus, yes, he's the one, this rock is Jesus, the only one, be very sure, be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. My wife said, quit singing, honey. You've ruined your voice preaching. You can't sing good anymore. Well, sorry, baby. That was the Holy Spirit right there. (laughs) In times like these, you need two things. Number one, you need an assurance your salvation. So, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning. Go all over, all over this room. Let me tell you the worst thing that can happen is somebody and kill you. <laughs> well, that really gives you a lot of comfort, doesn't it? But the worst thing that could ever happen is somebody kill you, behead you for your Christianity, rob you and kill you. Have a, no. The worst thing that can happen to you in this life is somebody kills you. That's the worst thing that can happen. But something worse than that would be to die and not have an assurance of your salvation. So in times like these, we don't know what the next step is. We don't know what's going to happen, what's going to take place. I don't and I don't know what they're going to do to me when they come to me and tell me I have to perform a wedding for a homosexual couple I know what my answer is the answer is no in love I love them they can come to my church and I will love them and care for them and you know I'll preach the truth to them I won't get up and lamb blast their sin every Sunday I'll preach against that sin just like I'm going to preach against every person sitting in, my room, in the room their sin whether it's gluttony hello or, or, or jealousy I don't know what they're going to do to me, but I'm not doing it because it goes against my conscience. It goes against the Word of God. I can't do it. I can love them, but I can't do that. The worst thing I can do is kill me. And if I know Jesus, they kill me. Jesus is standing there with open arms to receive me. So in times like these, you need an assurance of your salvation. So just for just really quick because we're going to move into communion that's going to take a few minutes so really quickly all over this room as your heads are bowed your eyes are closed if you're here this morning and you're not 100% sure of your salvation and you want to leave here today with a full assurance of your salvation if that's you this morning I want you to lift your hand. I want to pray with you this morning and you can leave here today with an assurance of your salvation. Anyone here? I'm not 100%. If I were to die in the next five minutes, I'm not 100% sure I'd go to heaven. If that's you, you better get sure and I'm going to help you get sure right now. Anyone in this room right now? Lift your hand up really quick. All right. All right. Things you need in times like these. Number one, you need an assurance of your salvation. Number two, you need an assurance of your security. Hopefully, what I've said today, some of what I've said today, will help you give you an assurance of your security. That God's going to take care of his people. Doesn't mean you're going to have the American dream forever. Doesn't mean you know you're not going to lose that, you know, that third home. I'm just saying that no matter how things, how bad things get, God is going to take care of his people. You're going to have something to eat. You're going to have something to wear. You're going to have some shelter. God's going to take care of you. Basic necessities of life. How many of you here this morning say, you know what? I've been fearful. I've, I've, I've been worried and concerned. And I just need that assurance of my, of my security that God's going to take care of me in, these, in, in times like these. Can I see your hand all over this room this morning? Thank you. God bless you. I don't know that you're here. Thank you so much. Before I pray for you, I want to say one last thing. And that is, if you have any, take issue with anything I said today, because I said a lot of things off the cuff this morning. I said them really quick, so I'm not 100% sure what all I said. <laughs> so if you have a question about it, you come to me and let me clarify it, okay? Don't go to somebody else and ask what they heard. You just come to me and I'll tell you what I meant. Whether I said it or not, it's what I meant. <laughs> Does that make sense? Father, I just pray today, Father, if there's anyone in this room today, Father, Lord, they're not 100% sure of their salvation. I know they didn't raise their hand, but, Lord, they could they, they, they could be here today. And, and Lord, I, I know that even in their seat, without anybody knowing, they could be they could be uh, repenting of their sins and getting themselves right with God. And I pray that will happen, that will take place today. God, for those that are, were willing to lift their hand and say, you know what, I've been worried, I've been, I've been anxious about, you know, uh, finances or, or, you know... Uh, uh, political things or unrest or all of the all of the crazy things that are happening in our world today and i 've been wor- god I pray that you will give them an assurance today. let them leave here today with an assurance lord that you 're still in charge and and that you are uh, you 're going to provide and protect them because they 're a part of they 're your people today. encourage us today I pray in Jesus name amen.